0: year um, as a bit of a shift we wanted to have different folks do it so it's different people from the church different voices different people kind of talking from their perspective Um, however uh, the flu or the cold or whatever it is that is not COVID is going around and there's a bunch of people who uh, had to cancel because they're sick and so I will be doing a couple of repeats Jeremy will do a couple um, but uh, this evening we're going to be talking about the incarnation there won't be as much of a straight line one to the next to the next um, it'll be different perspectives talking about God coming in the flesh on Christmas, uh, Christmas morning, Christmas Eve. I guess it would have been an evening. Um, and so let's uh, let's pray, and we will uh, set out to worship God this this uh, wonderful Christmas uh, Eve. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be with us uh, this evening. I pray that you would help us to to just worship you and to rejoice in the birth of of, of your Son the gift that you gave us in, in coming in the flesh to, uh, to save us from our sins. I, I praise you, God, and I thank you. Um, and I just ask that you would help us to, to just be in your presence and that you would be in our presence this evening, in Christ's name, um, especially as we remember the, the, the crying baby that Christmas Eve and, and the wonderful blessing that it was to the whole world to hear the, the cries of, of God in the flesh. Amen.
1: go ahead and stand up. We're going to sing. Maybe it's familiar, maybe it's not. Uh, It's one of my favorite Christmas songs. It's called Come Stand Amazed. Um, It's just an invitation for us this evening as we go through this service to come and stand amazed at this idea of the incarnation because it's such an awesome truth to uh, reflect on on Christmas Eve. So let's
2: sing.
3: Come and stand, amazed you people, see how God is reconciled, see his plans of love accomplished, see his gift, this newborn child, see the mighty weak and tender, see the word who now is mute. See the sovereign without splendor, see the fullness destitute, and see how humankind received him, see him wrapped in swaddling bands, who is Lord of all creation, rules the wind by his command. See him lying in a manger without sign of reasoning. Word of God to flesh surrendered, he is wisdom's crown and king. O oh Lord Jesus, God incarnate, who assumed this humble me And let my wishes to your perfect will conform Light of life, dispel my darkness Let your frailty strengthen me Let your meekness give me boldness Let your burden set me free Oh man, you will my savior, let your death be life for me. Oh man, you are my savior, let your death be life for me.
1: Amen. You can be seated. As we uh, continue on in this service, I, I picked that song um, because I really enjoy the lyrics. I really enjoy this idea of standing amazed and reflecting on this truth. Because let's be honest, in the Christmas season, we kind of get distracted, right? Like we get distracted by well, I got to wrap these presents, I got to cook these meals, I got to prep this, I got to prep that, I got to prepare for that, I got to put gas in the car because I got to drive i got to go do this and that. I have a lot to do. It's Christmas. I have lots of people to see. It's Christmas. It's a busy, busy time of year. And so the invitation for us this evening is to uh, step back, to reflect, to relax, and ponder the incarnation because of how huge it is. The invitation is to come and stand amazed. And, and the text that I'm going to be reading to you is 1 John uh, 1, 1 through 4, and it says this. And this is John speaking a powerful letter uh, to a church, and um, I, I just love how he opens it because he also wrote a gospel um, you know, called the Gospel of John, and he opens it in a similar manner, which is just poetic and, and just awesome, awesome to hear. It says this, uh, starting in verse 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. complete. And so just a few things that I want to kind of pull out of this text and kind of look at this evening as we begin this service. And I'll go short because there's other people that want to speak and we want to sing some more songs, right? Um, But the biggest idea is like a coin, there are two sides to a coin and there's two sides to um, understanding something that is central to the Christian faith. And it's this idea of Christ and the incarnation. It is the idea of God, infinite, God, creator, God, perfect, merciful, just, perfect in every way. God submitting himself and becoming a human and not just coming down as a full grown, fully capable, fully articulate, able to speak and 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 talk to us right away, human, but a baby. To place himself in the most vulnerable of positions, the creator becomes his own creation, right? And so as we look at this text, it's two sides to one coin. First, the one side is this. We, We have to make sure that this idea, that this truth, that this doctrine, if you will, is central to our faith. Uh, the fancy theological word is hypostatic union. That's what the fancy theologians call it. And it's simply this. It's really easy to understand. Well, easy to say, easy to understand. It's a whole other thing. We won't get into that tonight. Uh, but it's simply this, that, that Jesus Christ is 100% God and 100% man in perfect union. He is the God-man man And when we look at this passage in 1 John, John is re-articulating this idea of the incarnation, and he's using intimate words like, which we have seen with our eyes. We have witnessed God in the flesh with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands. We have touched him. We have given him high fives and hugs. We've embraced, we've eaten meals together, we've had food together, we've laughed Right, We have done life, the mundane day-to-day life, together with God in the flesh. And he's reiterating this idea to the people he's writing this letter to, that he was made manifest to us so that when we look at Jesus, we look at the Father. And this proclamation of the Incarnation brings us what? What does John go on and say? He says this. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us and indeed fellowship with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. This incarnation, this God becoming a man is this beautiful truth that if we believe and live our lives by, it becomes one how we get joy it's, it's how we become uh joy filled right his joy is complete and in his, this his joy is complete because he's writing this letter and proclaiming it to them but because of this we are united we as a people have fellowship together the most unlikely people come together and we have all of this in common we have christ in common we don't have to have a lot in common but we got jesus right and so as we continue to walk through this service this evening I wanted to start out with our joy and my joy being complete by being able to come up here and stand before you this evening on Christmas Eve and invite you to come and stand amazed and understand that God being in the flesh is both central to our faith and on the other side of the coin, it's central to our experience as human beings because we have a sympathetic God who knows what it's like to be us and he loves us and he does life with us and, and he knows He knows what it's like to hurt and be depressed and feel anxious. He knows these feelings. He can sympathize with us and get us through it. And so as we continue, I want us to continue to sing, and I want us to continue to hear from God's word. But I wanted to start off here by encouraging you guys in this truth, that his incarnation is central to our faith, our doctrine, but it's also central to our lives. Let's continue singing. We'll be singing Angels We Have Heard on High. So go ahead and stand up.
3: Echoing their joyous strains, shepherds, why this jubilee? Why your joyous strains prolong? What the gladsome tidings be, which inspire your heavenly song? Lord. sing. Come adore on bended knee. Christ the Lord, the newborn King. Glory
0: This evening, the part of uh, Callum Bon Miller will be played by Eric Sietzema. Uh, <laughs> the uh, I, I appreciate that I, I the two songs I get to stand in between uh, this evening are are uh, a fantastic fit. Um, on that evening that Christ was born, on that evening of the first Christmas, uh, the angels appeared in the heavens over. The shepherds and the night that was like quiet and they sat and it was, it was peaceful was suddenly lit up like the 4th of July on steroids and, and the shock and awe of the heavenly choir showing up and and filling the sky and singing glory to god and announcing the birth of jesus like it had to be amazing and and the reason this happened like the reason that christ came and the reason they showed up to celebrate and to sing first off is because that's what the angels exist for basically like they exist to worship god and to honor god and to serve him like that is their purpose and so they showed up on the day that christ was born and like calen's talk i'm kind of um, giving it to you sideways. I'm sorry, I, I, I can't do Callan justice. Somebody explained earlier that I would never do a good Callan impression, so I, I don't even get to try. Um, it was important for Christ to be born because, in being born, he attained his inheritance from the Father. Like, like Christ receives all things from the Father because of the obedience that he like demonstrated. And it started at birth. It started at showing up. It started at leaving eternity and leaving the choirs of angels behind, and leaving the throne, and leaving the power, and leaving the 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 majesty and everything, and being born, like gooey and smelly, and you know, got to learn to use the potty by himself and everything else. Born um, because God loves us. Because God would go that far for us. Um, And to receive that inheritance, one of the texts that Callan cites is uh, Galatians 4. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. And what the text is saying, it's saying, listen, um, God's son came, and he came and followed the law perfectly. It's a law you and I can't follow perfectly, right? Like you give me a rule, and I'm going to mess it up, right? Like sinning is one of the things I do best in life. Not because I want to, but because I'm just so good at it. Um, And all of us are that way and because we can't 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 earn our way to heaven by being good God sent his son to do it for us to be perfect on our behalf And so the angels sing and christ the infant was born And and he grew up and he became a man and he died for our sins having been perfect the whole time And he inherits everything and not only does he inherit everything but you and I are adopted with him now, what does that mean? Well, in the ancient world, adoption, like if you were an adopted son in ancient Rome, it was illegal to mention that you were not the biological son of the person who adopted you. In fact, um, Marcus Aurelius uh, was one of the like, like better Roman emperors, and um, he was adopted, and he became like ruler of the world because there was no distinction if you were adopted you were a son and you had every right of a son and so it is in this case like we as adopted children we are loved by god and treated by god as real like children as though we were always his children and never in rebellion and never in sin um and that is a glorious wonderful thing um it's why we celebrate it's why we worship it's why christmas is such a big deal um To take it a step further, we have this blessing that Callan mentioned. Um, Every one of us can know God personally. We can talk to him. We can encounter him. There are people who, like, went for walks with Jesus, like, went for walks with God and, like, probably played games with him and stuff like that. I mean, it's kind of awesome if you think about it. Um, But it all began that Christmas Eve. The song we're going to sing next is O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And I, I appreciate this because we started out with angels singing and then, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, the word Emmanuel, um, and that song specifically is a reference to the book of Isaiah, that predicts the birth of a king, right, to a virgin. And you will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And that is literally what happens. God shows up and he is with us. He is one of us. He is amongst us. He lives the way we, lives. He di- we live, but better. He does what we need to do and then he dies for us. And so we celebrate on Christmas Eve. We celebrate the gift of God. We sing, and angels sing with us, though we can't hear them today. Um, And we celebrate Emmanuel coming. Um, What a wonderful and glorious gift. Let's continue to worship.
1: I did that on purpose, but I did not. Go ahead and stand up. We're going to sing O Come, O Come, Emmanuel together.
3: come to thee, O Israel. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to thee.
4: The text that I will be following from today is Hebrews chapter two, verses fourteen through eighteen. Inasmuch as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear and death, through who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For indeed, he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that, he himself has suffered, being tempted, He is able to aid those who are tempted. We celebrate at Christmas what is called the Incarnation. Emmanuel, God with us. And as I I looked at the passages that we were given to think about, My thoughts strayed towards our need for the Incarnation. In that last part of verse 14, it talks about our enemy, the devil, Satan. That perpetual accuser, that dragon, that roaring lion that roams around seeking whom he may devour. Um, We have an enemy that wants nothing better for us than to be consumed by that sin that we find ourselves in and for us to remain enemies of the God who made us. But even more than that enemy that we have is the position that we find ourselves in. Verse 15 And release those who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Now if we look historically the book of Hebrews is probably talking about Israel and their inability to keep the law. You look at Israel was, was given God's law, and they failed time and time and time again. No amount of sacrifice that they were willing to do, no amount of obedience that they could, uh, could produce in their lifetime would change the fact that they had sinned, that they were still under that, uh, that rule of death. And so that's the knowledge part. But bring that into our day and age. Think of the seasons that we have just gone through as a world, as a nation, as a state, as a people, as a church. Those who, through the fear of death, were all their lifetime subject to bondage. This time in history may be the most prosperous, it may be the most materialistically wealthy that we have ever seen, and yet at the same time, that fear of death is still there, and in fact, we have seen the nation and even the world gripped by that fear of death time and time again. And then we come to Christmas. For indeed, he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. See, the reality of Christmas, the reality of the incarnation, is that God has not left us alone. We are not left to our own devices. We are not left to muddle through and try and find a way to seek for immortality, if you will. No, we have Emmanuel. We have God with us. God who came in the flesh and realized that what he would not do for the angels, he did for us. What we could not do for ourselves be it follow God's law or seek immortality through through some other means what we could not do he did for us what we could not become on our own namely children of God he came and became the propitiation the payment if you will for us to For us to be part of his family. And if that's not a reason to sing joy to the world, I don't know what is.
2: Stand and sing Joy to the World.
4: Be, uh,
1: <clears throat> covering for another speaker who couldn't make it this evening. And the text they chose is found in Philippians chapter 2. And as we continue to reflect on the incarnation, right, because it's Christmas Eve, you guys took time out of your day to come and stand amazed at this, this idea of the incarnation, to uh, take time out of your uh, busy Christmas schedule, right? to reflect on the incarnation and, and we've walked through and talked about um, uh, different aspects of the carna- incarnation, incarnation so far. Um, I loved what John said and, and so with that in mind another thing to reflect on when we think about the incarnation um, I think is found right here in uh, Philippians chapter 2 and I'm going to start in verse 3. Of Philippians chapter 2 and the idea here is that we and you know this can be I guess dangerous ish to say because it's very easy to get super focused on this idea but when we reflect on God coming down in the flesh and becoming a bodily human being to save us from our sins a lot of times people get stuck on the idea of him being a good example right. And they super focus on that instead of um, continuing on to see him also as the propitiation for our sins and the savior of the world and king on high, right? But with that in mind, we can look on this Christmas Eve day at Jesus as an example. And in Philippians chapter 2, we see Paul talk about that very idea. He says this, starting in verse 3. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also the interest of others. Right? There's the example. Here's what you have to do, people of God. This is how you're supposed to act. This is how you're supposed to think of others. But then he points to the ultimate example right away. Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who... Now, what's gonna happen here is Paul it's it's kinda like uh and I'm not a big fan of musicals, but this is kinda what happens. I don't I don't like musicals. But I mean a lot of people do, right? People like musicals. And and this is essentially what Paul does, right? He's he's talking in the middle of this letter. I want you to imagine it with me. He's in chains, he's in prison, and he's writing this letter, and the main theme of Philippians is joy and he's in prison. Something to think about. Where does your joy come from? And he's writing this encouragement, and he's reflecting on Jesus coming down, right? He's thinking about this incarnation idea, and he's calling Christians to be an example to think of others more than yourselves, right? He's encouraging that. But then he's going to bust out into song because that's what this is. This is what these next few verses are is Paul literally busting out in harmony, and here's what he's going to say or sing better. Who? though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And so when we reflect on the Incarnation, we can reflect on this beautiful idea of Christ as the example, right? He is the example to us because he came down to be the perfect example for us. And obviously it goes much deeper than that, right? He came down to save us from our sins because we are far too incapable of saving ourselves. We can't do it. I fall on my face daily. I'll be the first to confess it. I love listening to Pastor Eric preach because most weeks he will come up here and say, I'm a giant mess. Who's with me? And we'll all raise our hands and say, ha, yes, amen. And so this Christmas Eve, as you are sitting in your pew, as you are reflecting on the incarnation, one thing we want to encourage you to do is to reflect on the example that he did give us. Because like Paul said, we are called to think of others above ourselves But we're to do that because Christ, at the end of the day, is the ultimate example because he did that for us. He thought of us above himself. He humbled himself to the point of becoming a servant. Or even again, reflecting on the manger scene, right? Like he was born in a cave. He was put in a food trough for feeding animals. Like he was born in the most humiliating of circumstances, and, and, and this evening as we reflect on these ideas, remember that we can also reflect on this incarnation idea as it being an example for how God calls us to live our lives. Uh, let's continue to sing.
5: All right, good evening. Uh, to echo kind of what John said about, you know, when I first reflected on the list of scriptures given to us as kind of a good starting point of uh, what we might talk about this evening, um, I looked them all up and read through them all and got excited and was like, well, I'd just read them all. And <laughs> and uh, I will acknowledge uh, with that, I think that's because uh I've certainly been on a spiritual high lately, and God's been doing a lot in my life, and it's really exciting. Um, but one of the things I've noticed is God spoke to me a couple weeks ago uh, that I got really excited about something, and I wanted to share it with you guys because it very much tied into everything I was reading out of all those scriptures. Um, and ironically enough, while I, I'm not a stereotypical um, Christmas song cynic, I love Christmas time, I love Christmas songs. Uh, Mary did you know is by no means my favorite Christmas song, but for some reason uh, i 've never understood why until now <coughs> why I like the song, and I think it 's a beautiful song, but the very last line, the crescendo has always been so powerful to me and i I love singing the song, but I always choke up when i 'm rea- when i 'm singing that line, and i can 't ever get through it uh, and i 'll just read it for you. It says something, 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 <laughs> as in, as in, Mary, did you know, blah, blah, blah. And the sleeping child you're holding is the great I am as it builds. So that's what I'm going to talk to uh, or, or read for us today. So without much more filler from me, I am simply going to quote scripture because that's one of the things that has been experienced. Uh, I have gotten experience uh, lately is. Man, when you quote scripture, it is powerful, and the word of God is living and powerful. I hope that uh, maybe if you haven't before, the things I read to you uh, today will speak to you in the same way it spoke to me. Exodus three thirteen through 15 Moses said to God, S- Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and the name you shall call me from generation to generation. John 1, 1 through 5 reads, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus said in John ten thirty. I and the Father are one. This next list of scriptures I'm going to read. Uh, I am simply going to read specifically the words of Jesus. Jesus says, in John 8:58, "I tell you the truth, before Abraham was born, I am." John 6:35, "I am the bread of life." Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. John 6.41, I am the bread that came down from heaven. I am the, excuse me, John 6.48, I am the bread of life. John 6.51, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will forever, excuse me, will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. John eight twelve, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light the light of life. John nine five, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. John ten seven, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. John ten nine, I am the gate, whoever enters through me will be saved they will come in and go out and find pasture john 10:11 i am the good shepherd the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep john 10:14 i am the good shepherd i know my sheep and my sheep know me john 11:25 i am the resurrection and the life the one who believes in me will live even though they die john 14:6 I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 15, 1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. John fifteen five. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit apart from me. You can do, no, you can do nothing. And these are my favorites. <laughs> Revelation 1.8. Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Revelation 1.17 and 18. Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and behold, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys the keys of death and Hades. I have three more scriptures to read to kind of close this out. I am no longer simply quoting (laughs) Jesus. Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways, but in the light But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he also made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Colossians 2, 9. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And Colossians 1, 19 through 20. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Mary, did you know that the sleeping child you're holding is the great I am isn't is going to become the great I am it's he's then he's the great I am right then and there thank you
2: will soon deliver you. Mary, did you know that your baby boy will give sight to a blind man? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would calm the storm with his hand? Did you know that your baby boy has walked where he you kiss your little baby. You kiss the face of God. The blind is Lord of all creation. Mary, did you know that your baby boy will one day rule the nations? Did you know that your baby boy was heaven's perfect lamb? This sleeping child you're holding is the great.
0: Uh, I'm going to be the last speaker this evening, and we are going to uh, sing Silent Night and light candles. Everybody has candles, right? All right. Abby did her job. Uh, I, I kind of wanted to add a little thing here before I dive into my bit, and its I, I'm dovetailing. I'm not adding. Um, I am is the name that God gives for himself when he talks to Moses. You know, Moses asks, like, well, wait a minute. I'm supposed to go and talk to the Israelites. whom am I supposed to say sent me? And God responds, I am who I am or I am what I am. And there are a lot of discussions over the centuries as to what that means. And one of my favorite explanations is that God, um, that God is, he always was, and he always will be. Like God is outside of time and space having created both. And so he is inconstant. Everything is all at the same time, and he controls time, and he controls space. And that's a big, weird, crazy, like enormous idea. But like if you think about it, um, and I joke about the Mary, did you know a lot? Like she couldn't know. I mean how do you know something like that? How do you know that the child that you're holding and whose diaper you're changing or you're burping is, is the I am? You know, by his mighty arm, the universe was created. He holds all things together. And if he stepped away for a moment, it would fall apart. Like, that's something. Um, Isaiah 9 says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Throughout this season, I've been reading... Uh, devotions from this uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer collection. And uh, I wanted to do the last one. I'm going to light our last Advent candle. I'm going to paraphrase it. I'm not going to read it exactly. Uh, But mighty God is the name of the child. I am is the name of the child. Emmanuel, God is with us. Jesus, like the, the son of God. The child in the manger is literally God himself. And there's nothing you can say that's bigger than that. And it's easy to lose it because we say it so much. But it is an enormous statement. It was so big that the Jewish people around him at the time, they stumbled over it. They couldn't own it. They couldn't accept it. They couldn't, like, see it as true because it was so much. Like, let's stop for a second and think about that. God himself became a child. The the face you kiss is the face of God. Like, that's huge. And again, for you. Like, at your worst, it was for you. Like, let's let me just let that sink in. God became a child. Here he is, poor like us, miserable and helpless like us, a person of flesh and blood like us, our brother. And yet he is God. He is might. Where is the divinity? Where is the might of the child? I mean, and children aren't mighty, right? I, my kids are getting bigger and they still can't take me. They're not mighty. But the might of this child is in the divine love in which he became like us. Like his poverty in the manger is his might. In his might of love, he overcame the chasm between God and humankind. He overcomes sin and death. He forgives sin and awakens us from the dead. And so this, this evening, like my goal, what I wanted us to do is to talk about God in the flesh so we can know, like to kneel before this miserable, dirty manger, um, before this child of poor people. Like we have to understand that mighty God is, is the biggest thing you can say. Mighty because he loves us. Mighty because he would go to any length to redeem us. It's amazing. Dietrich Bonhoeffer once said in a sermon uh, in Cuba, but now it is true that tomorrow Christmas will come. It'll come once again. The great transformation will once again happen. God will have it so. Out of the waiting, hoping, longing world, a world will come in which the promise is given. All crying will be stilled, no tears will flow. No lonely sorrow shall afflict us anymore or threaten. And the word became flesh. That silent night, that, that dark evening, God became one of us. It's a blessing. It was the light of the world come to bring us out of the darkness. And so as we light our last candle and we get ready to sing our last song, which will be Silent Night, Understand that on that silent night, God came for you. When you were least lovable, when you were dirtiest, when you were meanest, when you were grossest, when you were the most humiliated, God came for you. It was the best gift we could get. Merry Christmas. Just stand up and sing with us. Abby, can you turn the lights off? first again. conclude i'm going to pray but i wanted to share one last thing the the gospel of john says that when christ came a light came into the world and that light was was a little like my candle up front in a dark room it's it's something but each of us comes to know Christ as as god infests our lives and grows inside us and we become more and more like him like we carry that light and that light is is a light in the darkness to those who are hopeless and empty. We're looking for something more. We're looking for God. Looking for reason and purpose and redemption and forgiveness. And every one of you walks out the door carrying Jesus, your little light. And look around the room. I mean, every one of you. That warm light on the faces around you, like that's what Jesus looks like to some people. So as we celebrate Christmas, as we celebrate Christ's coming, understand that He has come And he, celebrate the birth of the Savior and share him with the folks you know. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to just sing Christmas songs with these folks and to to listen to some other uh, men talk about you for the opportunity. And I pray as we go home and we enjoy our silent nights and our loud Christmas mornings, that you would help us to remember that we carry this light with us. Um, Help us to show it to the folks that we encounter and help us to be your heart and your hands and your voice. Thank you for the gift that you give us in Christ. Amen. Merry Christmas.